0: For your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Now, here's Juliet Huddy and Frank Morano.
1: Good morning everyone and welcome to 77 WABC Early News.
0: I'm
2: Frank Diaz and I'm Jacqueline Carl. Frank Morano and Juliet Huddy are still out today, so we're uh, stepping in. Let's get to it.
3: This this is the top 5 at 5.
2: Reports are saying that President Joe Biden is planning to impose punitive economic sanctions on Russia if Vladimir Putin invades Ukraine hours ahead of a meeting between the two leaders. The Biden administration refused to rule out deploying additional U.S. troops to Eastern Europe should Putin invade Ukraine, although sources insist that there are no plans for direct military action against the Kremlin. A White House spokesperson Monday evening said that Biden had spoken to the leaders of France, the U.K., Germany, and Italy, and they discussed their shared concern about the Russian military buildup on Ukraine's borders and Russia's increasingly harsh rhetoric. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki spoke about the situation yesterday.
4: It's not about threats. It's about conveying that uh, the right path forward here is through diplomacy. Uh, In the meantime, Uh, on financial sanctions. We've consulted significantly with our allies and believe we have a path forward that would impose significant and severe harm on the Russian economy. You can call that a threat. You can call that a fact. You can call that preparation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But that is something we've talked about publicly and certainly the president would convey that as well.
2: The situation in Ukraine is expected to be the dominant topic of a phone call Biden will have with Putin today.
1: White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also confirmed on Monday that the U.S. will move forward with a diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. Meanwhile, China has threatened resolute countermeasures if the U.S. follows through with its diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Games. U.S. Olympic bobsledder Alana Myers-Taylor said that despite the boycott, the Olympians will still compete in the Games.
4: Our job is to go out there and represent our country as best as possible, whether or not there's diplomats there. Um, So... You know, I realize that the U.S. is in a difficult circumstance deciding on what they want to do politically. But for athletes, we're going to go out there and do the best we can.
1: Asked why the administration did not press forward with a full boycott, Saki added, I don't think that we felt it was the right step to penalize athletes. The move seeks to balance demands of human rights activists who want a full withdrawal due to China's abuse of its activists. A Uyghur minority and the Xinjiang province and athletes who have trained for a lifetime to compete. Only fans from mainland China are allowed to attend the Games this year, which will run from February 4th through the 20th of next year.
2: Classified American intelligence reports suggest China intends to establish its first permanent military presence on the Atlantic Ocean in the tiny central African country of Equatorial Guinea. The officials declined to describe the details of the secret intelligence findings, but they said the reports raised the prospect that Chinese warships would be able to rearm and refit opposite the east coast of the U.S., a threat that is setting off alarm bells at the White House and the Pentagon. Principal Deputy U.S. National Security Advisor John Finer visited Equatorial Guinea in October on a mission to persuade the country's president and vice president to reject China's overtures. As part of our diplomacy to address maritime security issues, we have made clear to Equatorial Guinea that certain potential steps involving Chinese activity there would raise national security concerns, according to a senior Biden administration official. The great power skirmishing over a country that rarely draws outside attention reflects the rising tensions... Between Washington and Beijing. The two countries are sparring over the status of Taiwan, China's testing of a hypersonic missile, the origins of the COVID 19 pandemic, and other issues.
1: Former CNN anchor Chris Cuomo is preparing to sue his former employer for $18 million left on his contract, claiming that CNN President Jeff Zucker knew about his involvement in his brother's sexual misconduct probe. The network fired Cuomo on Saturday, citing the journalist's role in defending his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, against multiple sexual harassment allegations. Cuomo says Zucker knew about the cooperation, which the network called patently
5: false. Bill O'Reilly responded to the lawsuit on Cats at Night. What is your reaction? I know quickly to Chris Cuomo. He is now suing CNN. Do you think he has a case? I
6: predicted it. Yep, I predicted Cuomo would sue CNN because they knew what he was doing. That's right. Everybody knew. Everybody. So now Zucker throws him under the bus. Guess who's leaking all the stuff about Chris Cuomo to the New York Times? CNN. They're leaking it. So Cuomo, I I predicted it last week, bingo, okay, we're going to depose you, we're going to drag you in, and that again is another another brick that will destroy that news agency. Malone better get in there fast, John.
1: Sources told the New York Post that the network has no intention of paying Cuomo a penny, noting that if he gets a settlement, there would be an uproar.
2: Director of the National Institutes of Health is warning that the Omicron coronavirus variant is unlikely to be the last COVID variant to cause a lot of attention and a lot of concern. Dr. Francis Collins told Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Press that it's certainly possible that Omicron is not the last emerging variant. has said it is likely that the virus will continue to mutate from the original COVID that emerged from Wuhan in China.
7: It's certainly possible that this is not the last emerging variant that will attract a lot of attention and a lot of concern. This one does have the largest number of mutations that we've seen so far, Omicron with about 50 mutations compared to the original Wuhan virus. And it looks as if they probably arose in an immunocompromised individual. This is a hypothesis, but it seems plausible, who wasn't able to completely fight off the virus. And so it remained in the system maybe for months in that person until they finally got over it. And that is, of course, a perfect situation for the virus to be able to pick up additional mutations along the way. To the extent that that's going to keep happening, uh, if we don't have adequate immune protection across the globe, yeah, we're probably going to see something. uh, We'll have to use some of the other letters in the Greek alphabet.
0: All right, it's five oh seven. Here's traffic and transit with Joe Nolan. Joe, what's going on? Well, really not a lot. Looking out there this morning, we would appear to have a fairly good start. Inbound, LIE, Northern, Southern states, all three coming in uh, from the middle of Nassau County all the way on, and we're in pretty good shape. Really, no major difficulties there whatsoever. Now, inbound Lincoln, Holland, George, all three again with only minor delays at this point, and just generally around, it looks like we're going to have a decent day. Mass Transit good too. Alternate side is in effect. The support of service of Dell Technologies. Dell Technologies end of year. Sale is the perfect time to upgrade. Save big on computers featuring Windows 11 Pro for business plus free shipping. Call at Dell Technologies Advisor 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. I'm Joe Nolan. Traffic on the 7s. Talk Radio 77. W-A-B-C. Great, Joe Nolan. Thank you. Yep. Jacqueline's got your weather report this morning. Jacqueline Carl?
1: We're looking at a mostly sunny day today with highs in the mid-40s. Tonight, it'll be cloudy with lows in the mid-30s. Wednesday, we've got our first chance of snow. It'll be in the morning and then a chance of rain mixed with snow with a high near 40.
2: Thanks, Jacqueline. You're welcome. All right. Well, President Biden on Monday declined to say if he believes his sprawling social spending package can pass Congress by Christmas amid doubts that the Democrats hoped for his big spend present can pass by then or ever. The House passed the sprawling bill last month with a $2.2 trillion price tag. But centrist Senate Democrats want some provisions stripped and the party can't afford to lose a single vote in the evenly divided upper chamber where Vice President Kamala Harris breaks ties. Democrats led by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer have pushed for a Christmas deadline as moderates, including Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, express reservations. Manchin reportedly has told colleagues he doubts the bill will pass at all this year. He's expressed concern about the bill adding to the highest inflation in 31 years and what he calls budget gimmicks to make the cost of new programs seem lower than what they actually are.
1: California Representative Devin Nunes, a prominent ally of former President Donald Trump, will leave Congress at the end of this month to head up Trump's new social media company. Trump Media Tech and Technology Group announced at the appointment of Nunes as CEO in a Monday evening statement. The time has come to reopen the Internet and allow for the free flow of ideas and expression without censorship. Nunes was quoted as saying the United States of America made the dream of the Internet a reality and will be an American company that restores the dream. I'm humbled and honored President Trump has asked me to lead the mission and the world class team that will deliver on this promise. Trump described Nunes in the statement as a fighter and a leader who will make an excellent CEO of TMTG. The former president added, Devin understands that we must stop the liberal media and big tech from destroying the freedoms that make America great. America is ready for truth, social and the end of censorship and political discrimination.
2: Well, the Oakland County prosecutor says Michigan school officials could still be charged for ignoring multiple red flags ahead of the deadly mass shooting at Oxford High School. Prosecutor Karen McDonald had already lashed out at how angry she was at Ethan Crumbly being allowed to remain in class before he allegedly killed four classmates in the deadliest school shooting of the year.
8: As we work together to honor the lives lost and all of those impacted by the evil acts this week, justice for the victims and their families is at the forefront of today's announcement. We need to do better in this country. We need to say enough is enough for our kids, our teachers, parents, for all of us in this community and the communities across this nation.
2: McDonald said Monday on NBC's Today that it was possible that school officials could face charges but didn't elaborate further McDonald made the rare decision to charge Crumbley's parents, James and Jennifer, who on Black Friday allegedly brought their son the 9mm 6 hour handgun he allegedly used in the slayings. Oxford County Sheriff Michael Pouchard said police didn't want to wait to arrest the parents when the warrant came out. Uh, there was some communication
7: that came in to one of our detectives that said that they were going to uh, arrange for their arrest to turn themselves in. And, you know, that's fine. We don't wait for that. When we have um, serious charges like felonies, you can turn yourself in. You can go to court. You can come to anyone or substations, but we're going to go look for you immediately.
2: The three Crumblies are all being held in the same Oakland County Jail where they are all on suicide watch. All three have pleaded, pleaded not guilty.
1: Just 20% of Democratic Capitol Hill staffers believe that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer should stay in their leadership roles after next year's midterm races. Punchbowl News anonymous, anonymously surveyed senior staffers on Capitol Hill and found Democrats more ready than Republicans to get rid of their leadership teams. However, aides from both parties were open to a change. A poll out Monday found that 62% of Democratic staffers and Democratic leadership should change no matter the outcome of the midterms. Another 17 percent said that Democratic leadership should only be switched if Democrats do poorly in the midterms. 20 percent said Pelosi and Schumer should stay. That compares to 28 percent of Republican aides who said that the party's leaders, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Senate Minority, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, should be replaced regardless of the GOP's performance in the midterms.
2: Well, President Biden Monday accused pharmaceutical companies of inflating the prescription drug costs as he touted the Build Back Better Act's provisions to reduce prices and called on the Senate to pass the legislation. If passed, he said it would impose penalties on drug companies that raise prices faster than inflation and cap insulin prices at $35 a month.
9: We're going to end the days when drug companies could increase their prices with no oversight and no accountability. Going forward, drug companies that increase their prices faster than inflation are going to face a steep excise tax. Our plan says that any drug company can only raise prices based on the rate of inflation and caps insulin cost sharing at $35 a month.
2: The second plank of Biden's domestic agenda is currently stalled, awaiting passage through the Senate, where two holdout Democrats have managed to strip out hundreds of billions of dollars in spending. Lowering drug prices is one of the most popular parts of the proposals, and a recent Kaiser Family Foundation poll found 83% of respondents backed government efforts to reduce costs to patients.
1: The number of cargo ships docked off the Los Angeles coast is still at an all-time high, contradicting claims from port officials that the number of boats has dwindled in recent weeks. On Tuesday, November 30th, Port Port of Los Angeles Executive Director Gene Saracota announced that there were 46 boats stationed off the shores of California's Long Beach and Los Angeles ports, a marked drop of more than 100 earlier in the month. However, according to data provided by ship tracking website Marine Traffic, there are currently nearly 100 Cargo ships waiting to dock at the two popular ports, which have seen unprecedented bottlenecks during the U.S. current supply chain crisis. Data shows that many of these ships have been sitting in the Pacific since October, leaving hundreds of sailors stranded at sea as they wait to be allowed on dry land. The inconsistency in the number of ships stems from a new policy recently employed by shipping trade groups that encourage incoming vessels to wait out the open ocean amid these traffic jams rather than at the backed up ports.
10: All right, we got some sports with Matt Sapienza. Matt, what's going on? All right, let's play ball. Good morning, everybody. Josh Norris scored the decisive goal in a shootout to lift the Ottawa Senators over the New Jersey Devils 3-2 last night, extending the Senators' winning streak to three games. Ottawa's Tim Stutzel and New Jersey's Tomas Totter also scored in the shootout. The Devils lost their fourth straight in a game that was a makeup contest for a November 16th game postponed because of a COVID-19 outbreak among the Senators. Damon Severson and Nathan Bastian scored for the Devils, and Mackenzie Blackwood made 21 saves. Now, I was talking football yesterday, New York football specifically, but there was one other game I wanted to talk about, and it's this one. Jared Goff dropped back, looked left, and let the football loose that a Monroe St. Brown squeezed tight as he sat in the end zone. That set off a roar in Ford Field loud enough that it might have been heard on Motor City streets. Detroit finally found a way when Goff threw an 11-yard touchdown pass to St. Brown as time expired, lifting the previously winless Lions to a 29-27 victory over the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Not only was the finish dramatic, it was stunning. Goff threw two touchdown passes in the first half to put Detroit ahead by 14 points, its biggest lead this season. Then he turned over the ball twice in the second half to help Minnesota rally. He came through in the end, leading the long drive and delivering a sharp pass without pressure against a three-man rush to a rookie receiver who took advantage of the Vikings secondary playing too deep in the end zone. So congratulations to the Lions on that amazing win. Much-needed one, too. You hear sports on WABC's early news at 15 and 45 minutes past the hour. I'm Matt Zafianza. Now, back to the studio. Matt Sapienza, thank you so much.
2: All
0: right, here's Joe Nolan with Traffic and Transit. What's going on, Joe? Well, you we got a problem on the cross Bronx, though, on the westbound side, up on the Alexander-Hamilton Bridge, a disabled tractor-trailer. The center lane is out, so get over to the right and the left, not really impacting inbound at all. If you're heading out onto Route 80, we've got ourselves a problem. This is going to be in the local lanes getting to the southbound Jersey Turnpike. That ramp is shut down with an earlier tractor-trailer fire. Delays on the end and the queue and alternate side of the street parking rules and regulations are going to be in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Joe Nolan, thank you so much. Jacqueline's back with weather.
2: Do I need an umbrella today?
1: (laughs) Not today. We're looking at a mostly sunny day today with highs in the mid 40s. Tonight, though, it'll be cloudy with lows in the mid 30s. Now you want to bring your umbrella with you Wednesday. We've got our first chance of snow in the morning, and then it turns to a mix of rain and snow with a high near 40.
2: Let me be sure to wear my boots that day. Thanks, Jacqueline. <laughs> I hear you also have some uh, financial stories for us as well. I do.
1: The Dow, Nasdaq, and S and P all finished up Monday. The Dow was on; t- uh, they all finished up Monday. The Dow was on track for its best point percentage gain in more than a year. Monday's gain saw the Dow rise over 600 points. Advances in United Health, Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, and Visa were the main cause of the session's gain, along with seeing Omicron as less of a threat. Now, regulators are looking into the deal that would bring Donald Trump's new social media company to the stock market. It's attracted fans and the former presidents of the former president and folks looking to make a quick profit. When filing with regulators Monday, the company Digital World Acquisitions Corporation, partnering with Trump Media and Technology Group, acknowledges the inquiries in a filing. It also gave some financial forecasts for the company, whose goal is to rival Twitter along with other social media platforms, which banned Trump after the January 6th Capitol riots. Over the weekend, it claims it's lined up $1 billion in investments from a group of unnamed institutional investors. Trump Media announced Representative Devin Nunes from California. California. California is leaving Congress to become the company's
2: CEO in January. Thanks, Jacqueline. Now time for some local stories. Mayor Bill de Blasio announced yesterday that kids will soon get carded at New York City restaurants and movies for proof that they've been vaccinated against the coronavirus. De Blasio said in his meeting that he was taking the very bold, aggressive action in response to the lockdown in Germany and other restrictions returning across the globe amid the new Omicron variant. However, the city's only seen seven cases of it and the overall COVID-19 infection and hospitalization rates here are among the lowest in the nation. Children ages 5 to 11 must show proof of one vaccination dose to eat out, see a show, go to a movie theater, visit a fitness facility or attend entertainment venues by december 14th kids over age 12 must have two doses by december 27th unless they receive the one-shot j&j vaccine city officials quickly blasted the move saying kids shouldn't be forced into the mandate
1: a former Democrat state lawmaker slammed Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez after she undermined the existence of smash and grab robberies across the country, calling her a danger as she advocates emptying prisons and defunding the police. Former New York Assemblyman Dove Hyken joined Fox and Friends first on Monday to discuss her remarks, as many critics argue the rhetoric is tone deaf amid a rampant crime surge nationwide.
0: She's a danger. I really think she's a danger. These crimes that are being committed, there are real victims out there. The bail reform that she supports where criminals walk out before the police officer finishes the paperwork. It's ridiculous, causing new victims out there.
1: Walgreens, among other retailers and lawmakers, pushed back on her remarks, arguing organized retail theft is one of the most significant issues plaguing its company specifically. Cities in California, specifically areas in and around San Francisco and Los Angeles, have been dealing with a series of what many critics called organized mass looting, targeting retailers in recent weeks. AOC's remarks come shortly after the Fraternal Order of Police announced 58 police officers, the highest number ever recorded, have been shot and killed in the line of duty so far in 2021
2: speaking of crime crime has continued to impact the streets of new york city as the holiday season kicks into full swing the nypd provided fox news with citywide crime statistics from friday through sunday There were 17 shooting incidents and 21 shooting victims during this period, an increase from 14 shooting incidents and 16 shooting victims reported last year. The statistics also show that there were five homicides reported over the weekend compared to zero reported during the same period in 2020. Other crimes that occurred over the weekend included a street vendor who was stabbed in the thigh during a robbery that took place around 7 p.m. Sunday in midtown Manhattan. That man is expected to survive. New York City residents recently reported a bevy of other incidents, which included a man who threatened to kill a subway rider while wielding what police called wooden daggers and another man who brandished a sword in the hallway of an apartment building.
1: Governor Kathy Hochul on Monday refused to seek the resignation of embattled SUNY Chancellor James Malatras, a confidant of disgraced ex-governor Andrew Cuomo, while calling for an overhaul of the sprawling 64-campus university system. Hochul offered Malatras, who's under fire for smearing former state worker Lindsay Boylan in a nasty text 18 months before she accused Cuomo of sexual harassment, a life raft, at least for now.
5: We need a leader of the SUNY institution. I'm going to be making an overhaul of the SUNY system part of my state of the state. We have very bold plans that I want to see executed, and I want to see them continue. And in speaking uh, through my administration to a number of trustees, continuity at this time is important, so I understand their rationale for wanting to not ask him to take steps. However, we have to make sure that there is a, a culture where this behavior is not acceptable, and those continue; those conversations continue. SUNY's community colleges
1: have particularly suffered from plummeting enrollment, which accelerated during the COVID-19 outbreak.
2: Well, our own Curtis Slewa has launched a new super PAC aimed at defeating U.S. Senate Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who is up for re-election next year. Slewa told the New York Post that his Save the Senate Political Action Committee plans to raise millions of dollars to pummel Schumer and promote a Republican opponent. The main message on his website says, stop Schumer now. Slewa says as follows in his mission statement, though we came up short in our mayoral campaign, my movement for change progresses onward. I am more committed than ever to advancing our Republican values and priorities, holding liberal elitists accountable for failing New York and America. Senator Bob Dole's casket will lie in state at the U.S. Capitol on Thursday as congressional leaders honor the former Republican presidential candidate and World War II veteran who served in Congress for 36 years. Dole will then have a state funeral on Friday at the Washington National Cathedral, a senior congressional source told the New York Post on Monday. Incoming Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella spoke out about Dole on Cats at Night.
0: You worked with Bob Dole? Uh, he came and endorsed you, you said? One- yes. Uh, he
3: actually, in 1997, was a special election, uh, my first for Congress. And he, I met him at the Whitehall Ferry Terminal in Manhattan, took the ferry over like s- thousands of people of Staten Island and met up with former President George Bush uh, on that night. So it was Bob Dole and George Bush did an event at the Exc- Excelsior Grand. That was in 1997.
2: Dole passed away Sunday at the age of 98. Here's Dole in his last interview on CBS.
6: My pledge one time was to make a difference in the life of at least one person every day.
2: Now, I've probably failed in part of that, but I still work at it. On Saturday, his body will be transported to his home state of Kansas. Dole served four terms in the House and more than four terms in the Senate. Well, the Biden administration on Monday sued Texas for a second time over its election practices, alleging Republican state lawmakers discriminated against Latinos and other minorities by approving new congressional and state legislative districts that officials said would dilute minority voting power. The action represents the Justice Department's first major challenge to redistricting as states are undertaking the once-a-decade process of redrawing their legislative districts.
8: Plans will diminish the opportunities for Latino and black voters in Texas to elect their preferred representatives, and that is prohibited by federal law.
2: Texas added more residents in the past 10 years than any other state, earning two additional seats in Congress. The 2020 census showed that Latino, black, Asian American and other minority groups accounted for about 95 percent of the growth while Texans now make up less than 40% of the state's population down 5 percentage points and are roughly equal in number to Latino Texans.
1: So Frank, you're familiar with SantaCon, right?
2: Oh, yeah, that's this weekend, isn't it?
1: No, it's ElfCon this weekend, which is a sober alternative to SantaCon. And so what you can do is this Sunday, it's all around the city, it points all around the city. If you want to join ElfCon, it's a family-friendly event, and it'll cost you 10 bucks to participate. So this way, you and your family can go out without a bunch of drunken Santas, which there's nothing wrong with that if that's your thing. But at least ElfCon can provide an alternative for you if you feel like, you know, you want to just keep it, you know, family friendly.
2: Do I have to dress up?
1: It, as an elf. That's that's the law.
2: Uh, that I don't think they find I don't think they make five <laughs> XL elf suits you know, that's like an oxymoron. All yeah. right, it's time for a traffic and transit report with Joe Nolan. Joe <laughs> five Joe
0: X, five XL elf suits. I'm oh, 64 come on man I don't know no, what you No I like. know I know you need you need a, you yeah I know you need a big one all right, here we go. Westbound Cross Bronx, Bronx River Parkway to the Alexander Hamilton Bridge. A disabled tractor trailer in the center lanes. Those delays are growing very, very quickly. Westbound on the Cross Bronx, Eastbound 80, local lanes getting to the southbound Turnpike. All lanes there are closed with an earlier tractor trailer fire. Now the Trans Authority. There are delays on the N and the Q, and alternate side once again today is going to be in effect. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic Talk Radio 77 WABC. All right, Joe, thanks a lot. Jacqueline, we got weather. What's going on outside?
1: Well, we're looking at a mostly sunny day today with highs in the mid-40s. Tonight, it'll be cloudy with lows in the mid-30s. Wednesday, we've got our first chance of snow. That'll be mostly in the morning. And then we have a chance of rain with a snow mix later in the day with a high near 40. WABC Newstime is 527. <laughs>
0: entertaining and informative it's the wabc early news on 77 wabc now here's juliet huddy and frank Morano.
1: good morning everyone and welcome to 77 wabc early news
2: i'm frank diaz
1: and i'm jacqueline carl frank Morano and juliet huddy are still out so we're stepping in here's your top five at 5 30.
2: it's the top five at 5 30. Well, President Joe Biden is planning to impose punitive economic sanctions on Russia if Vladimir Putin invades the Ukraine. It was claimed hours ahead of a meeting between the two leaders. The Biden administration refused to rule out deploying additional U.S. troops to Eastern Europe should Putin invade Ukraine, although sources insist there are no plans for direct military action against the Kremlin. A White House spokesperson Monday evening said that Biden had spoken to the leaders of France, the U.K., Germany, and Italy. And they discussed their shared concern about the Russian military buildup on Ukraine's borders and Russia's increasingly harsh rhetoric. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki spoke about the situation yesterday. It's
4: not about threats. It's about conveying that uh, the right path forward here is through diplomacy. Uh, In the meantime, uh, on financial sanctions, we've consulted significantly with our allies and believe we have a path forward that would impose significant and severe harm on the Russian economy. You can call that a threat. You can call that a fact. You can call that preparation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But that is something we've talked about publicly, and certainly the president would convey that as well.
2: The situation in the Ukraine is expected to be the dominant topic in Biden and Putin's phone call today.
1: White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also confirmed on Monday that the U.S. will move forward with the diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. Meanwhile, China has threatened resolute countermeasures if the U.S. follows through with its diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Games. U.S. Olympic bobsledder Elena Myers-Taylor said that despite the boycott, the Olympics will still compete in the Games. Our job is
4: to go out there and represent our country as best as possible, whether or not there's diplomats there. Um, So... You know, I realize that the US is in a difficult circumstance deciding on what they want to do politically, but for athletes, we're going to go out there and do the best we can.
1: Asked why the administration did not press forward with the full boycott, Saki added, I don't think that we felt it was the right step to penalize athletes. The move seeks to balance the demands of human rights activists who want a full withdrawal due to China's abuse of its Uyghur minority in the Xinjiang province and athletes who have trained for a lifetime to compete. Only fans from the mainland China are allowed to attend the Games this year, which will run from February 4th through the 20th of next year.
2: Well, classified American intelligence reports suggest China intends to establish its first permanent military presence on the Atlantic Ocean in the tiny central African country of Equatorial Guinea. The officials declined to describe details of the secret intelligence findings, but they said the reports raise the prospect that Chinese warships would be able to rearm and refit opposite the east coast of the U.S., a threat that is setting off alarm bells at the White House and Pentagon. The principal deputy U.S. National Security Advisor John Finer visited Equatorial Guinea in October on a mission to persuade the country's president and vice president to reject China's overtures. As part of our diplomacy to address maritime security issues, we have made clear clear to Equatorial Guinea that certain potential steps involving Chinese activity there would raise national security concerns, according to a senior Biden administration official. The great power skirmishing over a country that rarely draws outside attention reflects the rising tensions between Washington and Beijing. The two countries are sparring over the status of Taiwan, China's testing of a hypersonic missile, the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and other issues.
1: Former CNN anchor Chris Cuomo is preparing to sue his former employer for $18 million left on his contract, claiming that CNN president Jeff Zucker knew about his involvement in his brother's sex probe. In the network The Network filed Cuomo on Saturday citing the journalist's role in defending his brother, former New York governor Andrew Cuomo against multiple sexual harassment allegations. Cuomo says Zucker knew about the cooperation, which the network called patently false. Bill O'Reilly responded to the lawsuit on Cats at Night.
5: What is your reaction? I know quickly to Chris Cuomo. He is now suing CNN. Do you think he has a case? I
6: predicted it. Yep. I predicted Cuomo would sue CNN because they knew what he was doing. That's right. Everybody knew. Everybody. So now Zucker throws him under the bus. Guess who's leaking all the stuff about Chris Cuomo to the New York Times? CNN. They're leaking it. So Cuomo, I, I predicted it last week, bingo, okay, we're going to depose you, we're going to drag you in, and that again is another is another brick that will destroy that news agency. I mean, Malone better get in there fast, John.
1: Sources told the New York Post that the network has no intention of paying Cuomo a penny, noting that if he gets a settlement, there would be an uproar.
2: Well, the director of the National Institutes of Health is warning that the Omicron coronavirus variant is unlikely to be the last COVID variant to cause a, quote, lot of attention and a lot of concern. Dr. Francis Collins told Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Press that it is certainly possible that Omicron is not the last emerging variant and said that it is likely the virus will continue to mutate from the original COVID that emerged from Wuhan in China.
7: It's certainly possible that this is not the last emerging variant that will attract a lot of attention and a lot of concern. This one does have the largest number of mutations that we've seen so far Omicron with about 50 mutations compared to the original Wuhan virus. And it looks as if they probably arose in an immunocompromised individual. This is a hypothesis, but it seems plausible who wasn't able to completely fight off the virus and so it remained in the system maybe for months Mm -hmm. uh, in that person until they finally got over it. And that is, of course, a perfect situation for the virus to be able to pick up additional mutations along the way. To the extent that that's going to keep happening, uh, if we don't have adequate immune protection across the globe, yeah, we're probably going to see something and we'll have to use some of the other letters in the Greek alphabet.
2: His comments come as the Omicron variant spread to nearly one-third of U.S. states, prompting Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy to call for calm with the nation already struggling to get a grip on an ongoing pandemic. Well, for other top stories, the Biden administration Monday sued Texas for a second time over its election practices, alleging Republican state lawmakers discriminated against Latinos and other minorities by approving new congressional and state legislative districts that officials said would dilute minority voting power. The action represents the Justice Department's first major challenge to redistricting as states are undertaking the once-in-a-decade process of redrawing their legislative districts.
0: All right, it's uh, almost uh, 537. Joe Nolan's got traffic and transit. Well, we've got problems on the cross Bronx. We've got delays on the westbound side coming away. From the Bronx River Parkway pretty much all the way on over to the George Washington Bridge. Now, just a little slow. It's actually easing out pretty quickly. There was an earlier problem right around the area of the Alexander Hamilton Bridge. It looks like that, though, has been cleared and all lanes have been reopened. So the good news is, is that, again, that's out of the way. And also, as you head westbound, things are easing out. You do, you know, you're doing about 20, 25 miles an hour. Before, it was down to like 10. So if you're on the New York State Thruway, some slow traffic southbound coming down Interchange 14 on Route 80 eastbound. That ramp to the southbound Turnpike has been reopened. And alternate side of the street parking rules and regulations once again today are going to be in effect, so we're off to a pretty decent start. This support of service of Indeed.com. Take the shortcut to your next great hire when you sponsor a job on Indeed. Instant Match immediately delivers a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Joe Nolan, thank you. Mm-hmm. Now we go
2: to weather with Jacqueline Carl. Jacqueline.
1: Hey, we're looking at a mostly sunny day today with highs in the mid-40s. Tonight, cloudy with lows in the mid-30s. And Wednesday, we have our first chance of snow in the morning. But then it's going to sort of mix with rain and snow later on in the day with a high near 40. WABC Time, 538.
2: Thanks, Jacqueline. Well, President Biden Monday declined to say if he believes his sprawling social spending package can pass Congress by Christmas amid doubts that Democrats hope for big spending present can pass by then or ever. The House passed a sprawling bill last month with a $2.2 trillion price tag, but centrist Senate Democrats want some provisions stripped and the party cannot afford to lose a single vote in the evenly divided upper chamber where Vice President Kamala Harris breaks ties. Democrats, led by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York, have pushed for a Christmas deadline as moderates, including Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, express reservations. Manchin reportedly has told colleagues he doubts the bill will pass this year. He's expressed concern about the bill adding to the highest inflation in 31 years and what he calls budget gimmicks to make the cost of new programs seem lower than they actually are.
1: California Representative Devin Nunes, a prominent ally of former President Donald Trump, will leave Congress at the end of this uh this month head of Trump's new social media company, Trump Media and Technology Group announced the appointment of Nunes as CEO in a Monday evening statement. The time has come to reopen the Internet and allow for free flow of ideas and expression without censorship. Nunes was quoted as saying the United States of America made the dream of the Internet a reality, and it will be an American company that restores the dream. I'm humbled and honored President Trump has asked me to lead the mission and the world class team that will deliver on this promise. Trump described Nunes in the state. As a fighter and a leader who will make an excellent CEO of TMTG, the former president added Devin understands that we must stop the liberal media and big tech from destroying the freedoms that make America great. America is ready for truth, social and the end to censor- censorship and political discrimination.
2: Well, the Oakland County prosecutor says Michigan school officials could still be charged for ignoring multiple red flags ahead of the deadly mass shooting at Oxford High School. Prosecutor Karen McDonald had already lashed out at how angry she was at Ethan Crumbly being allowed to remain in class before he allegedly killed four classmates in the deadliest school shooting of the year.
8: As we work together to honor the lives lost and all of those impacted by the evil acts this week, justice for the victims and their families is at the forefront of today's announcement. We need to do better in this country. We need to say enough is enough for our kids, our teachers, parents, for all of us in this community and the communities across this nation.
2: McDonald appeared on NBC's Today and said it was possible that school officials could face charges, but didn't elaborate any further or give a timeline. McDonald made the rare decision to charge Crumbly's parents, James and Jennifer, who on Black Friday allegedly brought their son the nine millimeter six hour handgun he allegedly used in the slayings. Oxford County Sheriff Michael Bouchard said police didn't wait to arrest the parents when the warrant came out. Uh, There was some communication that came in to
7: one of our detectives that said that they were going to uh, arrange for their arrest, to turn themselves in, and, you know, that's fine. We don't wait for that. When we have um, serious charges like felonies, you can turn yourself in, you can go to court, you can come to any one of our substations, but we're going to go look for you immediately.
2: The three Crumblies are all being held in the same Oakland County jail where they are all on suicide watch. All three have pled not guilty.
1: Just 20 percent of Democratic Capitol Hill staffers believe that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer should stay in their leadership roles after next year's midterm races. Punchbowl News anonymously surveyed senior staffers on Capitol Hill and found Democrats more ready than Republicans to get rid of their leadership teams. However, aides from both parties were open to change. A poll out Monday found that 62 percent of Democratic staffers said Democratic leadership should change no matter the outcome of the Midterms. Another 17 percent said the Democratic leadership should only be switched if Democrats do poorly in the midterms. 20 percent said Pelosi and Schumer should stay. That compares to 28 percent of Republican aides who said the party's leaders, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, should be replaced regardless of the GOP's performances in the midterms.
2: President Biden yesterday accused pharmaceutical companies of inflating prescription drug costs as he touted the Build Back Better Act's provisions to reduce prices and called on the Senate to pass the legislation. If passed, he said it would impose penalties on drug companies that raise prices faster than inflation and cap insulin prices at $35
9: a month. We're going to end the days when drug companies could increase their prices with no oversight and no accountability. Going forward, drug companies that increase their prices faster than inflation are going to face a steep excise tax. Our plan says that any drug company can only raise prices based on the rate of inflation and caps insulin cost-sharing at $35 a month.
2: The second plank of Biden's domestic agenda is currently stalled, awaiting passage through the Senate, where two holdout Democrats have managed to strip out hundreds of billions of dollars in spending. Lowering drug prices is one of the most popular parts of the proposals, and a recent Kaiser Family Foundation poll found 83% of respondents backed government efforts to reduce costs to patients.
1: The number of cargo ships docked off the Los Angeles coast is still at an all-time high, contradicting claims from port officials that the number of boats has dwindled in recent weeks. On Tuesday, November 30th, Port of Los Angeles Executive Director Gene Soroka announced that there were 46 boats stationed off the shores of California's Long Beach in Los Angeles ports, a marked drop or more than 100 earlier the month. However, according to data provided by ship tracking website Marine Traffic, there are currently nearly 100 cargo ships waiting to dock at the two popular ports, which have seen unprecedented bottlenecks during the U.S. current supply chain crisis. Data shows that many of these ships have been sitting in the Pacific since October, leaving hundreds of sailors stranded at sea as they wait to be allowed back on dry land. The inconsistency in the number of ships stems from a new policy recently employed by shipping trade groups that encouraged incoming vessels to wait out in the open ocean amid these traffic jams
2: rather than at the backed up ports. I really hope my old Christmas presents come in on time. <laughs>
10: Well, now we're some sports with Matt Sapienza. Matt, what do you got? All right, it's going to be a good one. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Joshua Norris scored the decisive goal in a shootout to lift the Ottawa Senators over the New Jersey Devils 3-2 to last night, extending the Senators' winning streak to three games. Ottawa's Tim Stutzel and New Jersey's Tomas Totter also scored in the shootout. The Devils lost their fourth game straight in a game that was a makeup contest for a November 16th game that was postponed because of a COVID-19 outbreak among the Senators. Damon Severson and Nathan Bastian also scored for the Devils and Mackenzie Blackwood made 21 saves. Now I know I talked about football yesterday, New York football specifically but I'd like to talk about this game because it was phenomenal. Jared Goff dropped back, he looked left and saw the football loose that amon Amonra St. Brown squeezed right tight as he sat in the end zone. That set off a roaring forward failure loud enough that it might have been heard on Motor City streets. Detroit finally found away when Goff threw an 11-yard touchdown pass to St. Brown as time expired, lifting the previously winless Lions to a 29-27 victory over the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Not only was the finish dramatic, it was stunning. Goff led the Lions on a 75-yard decisive possession without without a timeout after Kirk Cousins threw a go-ahead 3-yard touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson with a minute 50 left. The Vikings failed on a two-point conversion for the third time, and those missed opportunities proved costly. Goff threw two touchdown passes in the first half to put Detroit ahead by 14 points, its biggest lead this season. He really came through in the end, leading the long drive and a delivering a sharp pass without pressure against the three-man rush to rookie receiver who took advantage over the Viking secondary playing too deep in the end zone. A terrific game. Congrats to the Detroit Lions on a very much-needed win. And now that's sports at 15-45. I'm Matt Sapienza, and now back over to Frank and Jacqueline.
2: It's so nice that they uh, dedicated the game to the uh the students at Oxford High School?
10: Oh, yeah. Very well deserved. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Here's
2: Joe
0: Nolan with Traffic and Transit. Joe, what's going on? Excuse me. On the Cross Bronx, on the eastbound side, right at the Major digging now. Track to trailer car accident. It's all off on the shoulder. It's in the process. Being cleared up and out of the way. Now on Route 80 on the eastbound side, and the locals getting to the southbound turnpike. That earlier tractor trailer fire now is cleared up. New York State Thruway southbound. Again, that earlier delay we had up at Interchange 14 has been taken care of, but still starting to build now down to and over the Chapin Z. Delays on the N and the Q and alternate side of the street parking rules and regulations again today are going to be in effect. And the support is a service of Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, Heart of America, helping schools across the country increase their access to healthy food. Learn more, empireblue.com slash nyliberty. Traffic on the 7s, I'm Joe Nolan, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Joe, you sound like me from last week. (laughs) Uh, You know what it is. It's all these stupid football games that I do on the weekends that are killing me. (laughs) I'll get better, Joe. Thanks a lot. Jacqueline Carl is
2: back with weather. How is it out there, Jacqueline?
1: Well, we're going to look at a mostly sunny day today with highs in the mid-40s. Tonight, it'll be cloudy with lows in the mid-30s. Now, Wednesday, we've got our first chance of snow in the morning, but then it mixes to a rainy, snowy, slushy mix with highs near 40. WABC News Time is 548.
2: Jacqueline Carl, thank you. I hear you also have some uh, stories about our money, too. Will my wallet get any thicker tomorrow?
1: I know mine won't. The Dow, Nasdaq, and S and P all finished up Monday. The Dow was on track for its best point and percentage gain in more than a year. Monday's gain saw the Dow rise over 600 points. Advances in United Health, Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, and Visa were the main cause of the session's gain, along with seeing Omicron as less of a threat. Regulators looking into the deal that would bring Donald Trump's new social media company to the stock market. It's attracted fans of the former president and folks looking to make a quick profit. When filing with regulators Monday, the company, Digital World Acquisitions Corporation, partnering with Trump Media and Technology Group, acknowledged the inquiries in filing. It also gave some financial forecasts for the company, whose goal is to rival Twitter, along with other social media platforms which banned Trump after the January 6th Capitol riots. Over the weekend, it claims it's lined up $1 billion in investments from a group of unnamed institutions investors.
2: Thanks, Jacqueline Carl. Sid Rosenberg, what are you doing in here?
3: They told me to come in. I have no idea. Trust me, I was getting a cup of coffee. I was very, very happy listening to my Elton John Dua Lipa music, but they told me to come in, so I'm here. I'm here to promote, I guess, what's going to happen in about um, 11 minutes for four hours from 6 to 10 every weekday morning. The best talk show in the country. We are Bernie and Sid. It is Tuesday. That means Bo Deedle's going to be here. They're very, very entertaining, provocative, and, and uh, fun former detective and now uh, t- TV and movie star, Bo Dietl, coming up at 7.40. And then we'll talk to the pride of Shirley Long Island, and hopefully the next governor in the state here in New York, Lee Zeldin. He's coming up at 8.40. So those are the two guests today, Bo Dietl and Lee Zeldin. A lot, obviously, on um, sports, big football game last night, a lot on local politics. De Blasio on his way out, thank God for that. And uh, some personal stuff as well. I usually dress uh, very nicely, wear a sport jacket every day, a nice, a nice shirt, But today, I'll be working with Tony Oso, a good friend of mine, handing out knapsacks to the homeless up and down 7th Avenue between Penn Station and Port Authority. About 25 pounds apiece, these knapsacks, filled with everything from blankets to water to uh, shampoo to toothpaste. So I'm dressed in his JL Blessings sweatshirt, and I start doing that 11 o'clock this morning, and I've recruited Gabby Lopez, Chad's daughter, to help out. So it's a busy day. It's going to be fun. It all starts at 6 with Bernie and Sid.
2: Very nice. You know, uh, sky blue looks really good on you. So yeah, well, that's a little game. Brings but out you. your tan. <laughs>
5: Sid, you, Rosenberg, you, Sid
2: Rosenberg, thank you very much. All right, let's go to some uh, New York City stories. Mayor de Blasio announced yesterday that kids will soon get carded at New York City restaurants and movie theaters for proof that they've been vaccinated against the coronavirus. De Blasio said that he was taking the a very bold, aggressive action in response to the lockdown in Germany and other restrictions returning across the globe amid the new Omicron variant. However, the city's only seen seven cases of it and the overall COVID-19 infection and hospitalization rates here are among the lowest in the nation children ages 5 to 11 must show proof of one vaccination dose to eat out see a show go to a theater visit a fitness facility or intend attend an indoor entertainment venue by december 14th kids over age 12 must have two doses by december 27th unless they receive the one shot johnson johnson vaccine city officials quickly blasted the move saying kids shouldn't be forced into the mandate
1: Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said after she undermined the existence of smash-and-grab robberies across the country, calling her a danger as she advocates emptying prisons and defunding the police. Former New York Assemblyman David Hykund joined Fox & Friends first on Monday to discuss her remarks, as many critics argue the rhetoric is tone-deaf amid the rampant crime surge nationwide.
0: She's a danger. I really think she's a danger. These crimes that are being committed... There are real victims out there. The bail reform that she supports, where criminals walk out before the police officer finishes the paperwork. It's ridiculous, causing new victims out there.
1: Walgreens, among other retailers and lawmakers, pushed back on her remarks arguing organized retail theft is one of the most significant issues plaguing its company specifically. Cities in California, specifically areas in and around San Francisco and Los Angeles have been dealing with a series of what many critics call organized mass looting, targeting retailers in recent weeks. AOC's remarks come shortly after the Fraternal Order of Police announced 58 police officers, the highest number ever recorded, have been shot and killed in the line of duty so far in 2021.
2: Speaking of crime, it's continued to impact the streets of New York City as the holiday season kicks into full swing. The NYPD provided Fox News with citywide crime statistics from Friday through Sunday. There were 17 shooting incidents and 21 shooting victims during this period. an increase from 14 and 16 respectively reported last year. The statistics also show that there were five homicides reported over the weekend compared to zero reported during the same period in 2020. Other crimes that occurred over the weekend included a street vendor who was stabbed in the thigh during a robbery that took place around 7 o'clock Sunday evening in Midtown Manhattan's Theater District. That man is expected to survive. New York City residents recently reported a lot of other incidents, including a man who threatened to kill subway riders while wielding what police called wooden daggers and another man who brandished a sword in the hallway of an apartment building.
1: Governor Kathy Hochul on Monday refused to seek the resignation of embattled SUNY Chancellor James Malatras, a confidant of disgraced ex-Governor Andrew Cuomo, while calling for an overhaul of the sprawling 64 campus university system. Hochul offered Malatras, who's under fire for smearing former state worker Lindsay Boylan in nasty text 18 months before she accused
5: Cuomo of sexual harassment, a life raft, at least for now. We need a leader of the SUNY institution. I'm going to be making an overhaul of the SUNY system part of my state of the state. We have very bold plans that I want to see executed, and I want to see them continue. And in speaking uh, through my administration to a number of trustees, continuity at this time is important, so I understand their rationale for wanting to not ask him to take steps. However, we have to make sure that there is a, a culture where this behavior is not acceptable and those continue, those conversations continue. SUNY's community colleges have particularly suffered from the
1: plummeting enrollment, which accelerated during the COVID-19 outbreak.
2: Well, our own Curtis Lee has lost a new super PAC aimed at defeating U.S. Senate. Senate Democratic Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who is up for re-election next year, Slewa told the New York Post that his Save the Senate Political Action Committee plans to raise millions of dollars to pummel Schumer and promote a Republican opponent. The main message on his website says, quote, Stop Schumer now, Slewa says as follows in his mission statement. Though we came up short in our mayoral campaign, my movement for change progresses onward. I am more committed than ever to advancing our Republican values and priorities and holding liberal elitists accountable for failing New York and America. Well, Senator Bob Dole's casket will lie in state in the U.S. Capitol Thursday as congressional leaders honor the former Republican presidential candidate and World War II veteran who served in Congress for 36 years. Dole will then have a state funeral Friday at the Washington National Cathedral. Incoming Staten Island Borough President Vito Ficella spoke about Dole on Cats at Night.
0: You worked with Bob Dole. Uh, he came and endorsed
3: you, you said? When- yes. Uh, he actually, in 1997, was a special election, uh, my first for Congress. And he, I met him at the Whitehall Ferry Terminal Manhattan, took the ferry over like thousands of people of Staten Island and met up with former President George Bush uh, on that night. So it was Bob Dole and George Bush did an event at the Exc- Excelsior Grand. That was in 1997.
2: It's all passed away Sunday at the age of 98. Here's Dole in his last interview on CBS. My pledge one time was to make a
6: difference in the life of at least one person every day. Now, I've probably failed in part of that, but I still work at it.
0: All right, three minutes to the top of the hour. Joe Nolan's got traffic and transit. All right, let's head outbound Holland Tunnel now. An accident on the Jersey side in Jersey City, right at Jersey Avenue. So as you head outbound at the Holland Tunnel, you're going to have some delays leaving the tube itself, getting into Jersey City. Now, northbound on the Deegan on the Cross Bronx Expressway, right at that ramp, there is a disabled truck. That's in the process of being cleared now. Other than that, though, really not so bad. Things moving along pretty well. Just take a quick look at my maps here and tell you that we're coming inbound on the LIE, building a little bit now through Queens Boulevard, and then back through the middle of Nassau County, the usual stuff up there. Through lower Brooklyn, pretty much from 65th Street right on up to the Brooklyn Bridge. Heavy but moving well traffic and alternate side of the street. Parking rules and regulations again today are going to be in effect. The support of service of Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield and Heart of America helping schools across the country increase their access to healthy food. Learn more, empireblue.com slash liberty. With traffic on the sevens, I'm Joe Nolan. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Joe Nolan, thank you very much. You too. All
2: right, Jacqueline Carl with weather, the last weather report of the hour. What's going on outside? Well, we're
1: looking at a mostly sunny day today. We've got highs in the mid-40s. Tonight, though, it'll be cloudy with lows in the mid-30s, Thursdays. Then Wednesday, there's a chance of snow in the morning, and then that snow mixes with rain in the afternoon. It might be slushy if it comes through with a high near 40. WABC Newstime is 558.
2: Are you coming in and leaving here when it's dark out today? Me? Yeah, of course.
1: That's how I like to do it. I'm like a ninja. I just kind of creep in and creep right
2: back in. I mean, out. you're not like a psychopath like me who comes in at midnight and you know starts doing the show and getting ready and you know. <laughs> this, fir- you this cleared f- that up. The the first, I am not a psychopath. This is the first time you've done it on too. The record. Right? Yeah. Oh no, I know. No, you're not. A, you're definitely not a psychopath. I am a self-proclaimed one. So I don't know.
1: So well, are you doing okay with this cream cheese shortage? I mean, what's going on?
2: I don't think I've had cream cheese in months. Honestly, I don't. I don't eat bagels like that anymore. I mean,
1: so we just get your Elfcon suit ready. Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: I, I'll I'll uh I'll have uh I'll have a, a few snacks in my pockets. You know, walking around like chewing on little crackers or something. I don't know. I'll think of something, but uh.
1: Well, ElfCon is this Sunday. If you want a family-friendly alternative to SantaCon, and if you want to participate, it's going to be going out, um, in parts throughout the city, and it'll cost you ten bucks. And it sounds, this is the first year they're doing it, so it sounds like it's going to be a nice day for families.
2: I, I don't think I'll ever go to SantaCon, so ElfCon sounds like a good alternative, to, at least for me. Just uh, get your elf suit ready. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I have to go find it now. Spirit Hollow. you be like
1: Buddy the Elf. Still be
2: open <laughs> yeah. in some areas. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I'll find it. See, so, yeah, it's they're, they're open somewhere. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're signing off. Up next, Bernie and Sid of the morning. Representative Lee Zeldin will be on the show later. Thank you all for listening to Early Morning. I'm Frank Diaz. I'm Jacqueline Carl.
0: See you later.